I join with the other brethren in welcoming you here uh, this morning. We're glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us as I look around this morning. We don't have any visitors, but if you consider yourself a visitor, we're glad that you're here. Hope that you know that you're our honored guest. The reading that Riley read this morning is one of the readings that we are going to uh, use as a backdrop uh, for the morning. We're going to be spending most of our time in Philippians, the fourth chapter. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, uh, much of our time will be spent there. But before we get into uh, what Paul said there in his church to Philippi, which, by the way, let me say this, my, my knee, uh, my good knee, which I don't have one, but the one that was good, um, is stiff this morning because I had a, a cow run me into a chute. And uh, so... My knee's a little stiff, so it looks like, if it looks like I'm going to stumble, hopefully I won't, but don't worry, I'll get back up. Um, I tried to get it to not be stiff while I was there singing, but it didn't work out real well. So uh, if you see me uh, standing kind of strange, that's why my knee is stiff this morning. Um, you know, there's sometimes that uh, we can look at a man's spirit. That, that we can actually see uh, what's inside of a man. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, by their fruits you shall know them. Uh, it's a special time when you can uh, be around a person and talk to a person uh, and you actually got, get to see a glimpse of what's inside that person. I want to start in Psalm 51. If if you're not familiar with Psalm 51, it is a psalm that is attributed to David. Uh, when you think about King David, certainly you think about a man who was tough, a man who was strong, a man who was genuinely confident, and a man who was torn and broken. You know, Psalm 51 gives us an opportunity to see something of the spirit of King David. King David, at this point, is not only an adulterer, but he's a murderer. And King David asked for something very special that oftentimes we might miss. If you go back and you study Psalm 51, you'll recognize that David realized within himself the need for forgiveness. David realized within himself those sins which he had committed against his God. He recognized that the things he had done with Bathsheba and the husband of Bathsheba, that those things may not seem to be wrong in the eyes of those who were around him. But he recognized his need for cleansing and purification and for forgiveness of those sins. But there's something special about his words in verse 10 here in Psalm 51. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What was David asking for? What was David the king? David the strong? David, the warrior, asking for here. 
David wasn't asking to be justified in what he had done. Doesn't, David wasn't asking that God would make sure nobody found out how bad he was, but David, when we see him, the man after God's own heart, David said, change me. David said, no matter how tough I am, no matter what place I am, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What David wanted was for God to change him from the inside, no matter what the outside was. Now I want you to look at Daniel chapter 3, the reading there. Uh, if you have an opportunity, I hope you'll go back and read uh, not only J Daniel chapter 3, uh, but the book of Daniel. If you, have a time, if you have time to study that, to study that book, there are wonderful stories of faith and righteousness contained within Daniel. And certainly, this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that is contained in J Daniel chapter 3 is just that. Uh, when you read this story of these three men and their faith, I hope that you're inspired by the things that you read. I hope that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this event that's contained in Daniel chapter 3 is one that encourages you. But it's not the facts of what happened here I want to look at this morning. Certainly, to understand the significance of a burning, fiery furnace. You ever thought about what it would be like to be burned alive? Don't. But that's what these men faced. These men were told... You've got to give up your faith and fall and worship this big golden image of the king. And if you don't, you'll be burned alive instantly. Certainly the image of that is one that is terrifying. I had Riley end in verse 15 because I believe it's just after verse 15 that we get to see the spirit of these three men. It is after verse 15 that we not only hear about this terrifying circumstance, but we see what's inside of these three men. I want to pick up there in verse 16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Did you catch what these three men just said? I said earlier, have you ever thought about what it's like to burn alive? A circumstance I hope that no human would ever face. 
A circumstance that certainly is terrifying. And here's what these three men said. We recognize what's fixing to happen. We recognize what's going to be done. Our God has the power to save us, to pull us out of, to protect us in that burning, fiery furnace. And guess what? Even if he doesn't. Notice verse 18. They said, but if not. Those three little words mean this. These three men faced certain death by fire. And they recognized that God had the power and the authority to protect them from that fire. And they said, he's got the power. And even if he doesn't, even if you put us into that furnace, even if we start to burn, guess who our God is? He is God. You know what makes this story so great is that they were put into the furnace. And if you finish reading there in Daniel chapter 3, it's great that when they went into the furnace, that the men who put them there were the ones who burned up. They were completely safe. But you know what was really great? Was the spirit in these three men. That they recognized this terrible situation. And even when they faced the danger, they said, here's what's great. I know who my God is. And I know that my God has the power to save me from the fire. And even if he doesn't, he's my God. You know what they had? They had contentment. You know, oftentimes when we talk about contentment and being content, we think about it in a physical sense. A physical sense of being happy with those things that we have. But that's not what Paul said at all. That's not what the Bible teaches us about contentment at all. Certainly, there was nothing happy about the situation that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found them in. Certainly, there was no happiness or joy in the time that they were facing, knowing that in a short time they'd be thrown in the fire. And yet these men could say, guess what? Burned or not burned. I know who my God is. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. If you have a Bible or a device there that you're following along, go to Philippians chapter 4, and I want you to notice what Paul says here about contentment. He says, Be careful or worry for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want you to notice what Paul is pointing out here. Paul says through prayer and supplication. Notice that what Paul is talking about isn't a simple prayer of simply going, 
Lord, we've come here today, and you know we're a little worried about things, but we know you'll take care of it. Thanks for everything, and good day. Paul recognizes that there are things that are much more difficult than that. Paul recognizes that there are circumstances and situations that are much more difficult than that. But here's what Paul says. Paul says, be careful for nothing, but by prayer and by fervent, strong, pleading prayer. You think Paul's talking about just asking for a good day? You think Paul is just asking uh, about a normal day when we wake up and we're just asking for good things? It wouldn't make sense in Paul's situation here that Paul says, be careful for nothing. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then he says this, with that, in that event, with that prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You know, the last couple of weeks, uh, each of the speakers uh, have made a comment about a recognition uh, that the last few months have been uh, somewhat turned everyone's lives upside down. Uh, that no matter the age, it's a time of difficulty, a time of turmoil, a time of what we call stress. Um, for a 41-year-old man to hear that his brother at 40 has a massive heart attack is something that makes you stop. And go, did that text just say massive? Uh, when we hear uh, that the Albuses have lost a daughter-in-law. Um, and, you, and you realize that that was a teacher where your kids go to school. And that was the wife of a man who's in an agency that you work closely with. It's tough to take. Uh, when you hear that a man who sat near the front since the day you came to this family and is tough as nails is in hospice care. That's a tough circumstance. But Paul said, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And Paul said this. As easy as that may sound, the peace of God shall keep your hearts 
and your minds through Christ Jesus. And he told us how. Skip down to verse 10, it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I want you to notice what Paul said here. There's four lessons from these four verses that I want you to take away this morning. Paul said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Uh, who is contentment up to? Who determines the place of your spirit? You do. You do. David could have played it all off and nobody would have known. But David knew who was in charge of his contentment. The rightness of his spirit with his father. And he said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They knew who controlled their spirit. They knew who was in charge of their contentment. And they said, we may burn. We know God has the power to control that. But even if he chooses not to, we still know who our God is. But you know what Paul recognized? Paul recognized he was in charge of his own contentment. And he said, but here's the great thing. Even recognizing that, I don't have to do this alone. You know, Paul over and over told the churches, hey, I didn't come here to get anything special from you. I didn't ask for any requests. I didn't ask you to give me anything physically. I didn't want to be indebted to you or you to look at me as someone who was spreading the gospel who was just doing it to be paid for it. I didn't do any of that. But you know what Paul said here? I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished. You know what he recognized? Even when he was in a circumstance that required prayer with supplication, he still had those around him who were there to help. Verse 11, he said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. You know what Paul recognized? Paul recognized that contentment wasn't one of those genetic traits that we could say, well, I just wasn't born with it. Contentment isn't one of those things that I got from my mom or dad, so it's okay. Paul said your genetics don't matter. Paul said, your circumstances don't matter. Paul said, I've learned. I've acquired this thing. 
I figured out what contentment is in whatever state I am. In verse 12, he said, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. You know, I, I know that I have heard uh, in my line of work that there, there are people who actually just like to fight. Uh, I've never been one of those guys who just says, you know, I'd really like to be punched in the face. I'm not that guy. Um, I've never been one of those guys who's like, you know, I just want to see how tough I really am, and I just want to hurt today. You know, I've never met anybody, even though I have met a few guys who have been in that situation that just like to fight and sometimes just like to get hit, and if you're one of those, I'm sorry. You need to change that. Um, but... I've never heard anybody who said, you know, I'd really like to be whipped with a whip while tied up. I've never heard anybody say, you know, I'd like to be in a plane crash, and if I can't be in a plane crash, I'd sure love to be in a shipwreck. Never heard anybody say that. I've never heard anybody say, you know what I would like to do? I would like to be stoned to the point that after people threw stones at me, they thought I was dead, and I just got to lay there for a little while until I came to, and I got up. But that's what Paul had been through. Paul had been through all of those circumstances, and yet here's a man who says, you know what I've learned? I've learned that even when you're in the furnace and you feel the burning... That everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed to be content. And Paul said this in verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Um, just so that we're clear, and I know that we've said it from this pulpit, a number of speakers uh, have said this uh, over the years, but I want you to be clear about something. Paul did not say... Um, that he was going to be able to play in the NFL, the National Football League, if he wanted to. Paul did not say that he had some supernatural ability because of his contentment. Paul did not say that simply because he pray prayed, he could do these wonderful things that otherwise he was unable to do. That's not what he said in verse 13. What, what he said was, attitude is everything. And it's my attitude that counts. And I recognize that whatever situation, whatever circumstance, whatever thing I'm in, I still know that God is my God and His Son Jesus Christ is my Savior. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these four things down. There's four things that Paul teaches us about contentment. That we're all in this together. All together. That contentment is something that is learned, it is acquired. It's not something you're born with. That contentment is something you can have in all times. And that contentment is all about your attitude. I want to go through those briefly all together. 
Peter says, seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. You know what Peter recognized uh, about you and I was when, that we, when we recognized we needed a Savior. And we recognized that that Savior had freely given His blood for you and I and that that Savior was willing to purify this. Not only did it cut us to the soul, not only did it cleanse us through Jesus Christ in His shed blood, but it changed us to the point that we recognized our duty to one another. You know what Peter said was this, there's more to the blood of Jesus Christ than just the cleansing of your sins. You know, the good news is, was that He shed that blood for you, that your sins might be taken away, and that you might have a home in heaven. But what Peter said was this, there's much more to the blood than just the saving of your soul. There's a recognition that through that cleansing and that saving of your soul, that a reality is manifest, and that is your love one for another. And I want you to notice that Paul said it's not pretend. It's not fake. It's not something that you just do. It's something that happens through the saving of your soul. The book of Proverbs says about learning. In Proverbs, the first chapter and verse 5, a wise man will hear and will increase in learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Notice that Paul, in writing to Timothy, wrote to Timothy and said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. What's that tell you about your spirit? Wouldn't it be neat if when we were born, the Bible was something we just knew and we didn't have to open it up? Wouldn't it be neat if a man could take a Bible Is that me somewhere? Oh well, make it stop. I'm just kidding. Wouldn't it be neat if I could take this book and set it on top of my head and say, now I know everything. We're good to go. Right? I mean, I don't need to read it. I put it on my head. I think scientists call that osmosis. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be really neat if everything that was in that book was just naturally in my head. Just a hint. None of that works. You know, Timothy was blessed to have a grandmother and a mother who had the faith that passed it on to him. 
you've got a Bible there, I'd like you to find my name in that book. Timothy's name's in there. You know what Timothy got to do? Timothy got to be called my son in the faith by Paul. How cool is that? That Timothy lived at such a time that the apostle Paul said, this is my son in the faith. You know what Timothy wasn't born with? The scriptures just magically in his head. You know, Paul, just prior to this, had told Timothy, you know, you've been trained in these scriptures from the time you were a child. You know, that same Paul told that same Timothy, continue in the scriptures. Study to show thyself approved unto God. You know why? It's learned. It's studied. It's practiced. It's refined. The choice is yours. You know what Paul said about the contentment? It's the same thing. Paul said it wasn't something he was born with. Paul said it wasn't something he magically attained by going into the water in obedience and being baptized. Paul said it was something he had to learn. And if Paul had to learn it, I rest assured, I've got to learn it too. Sure, it may come easier for some than others. But no matter how difficult it is, it's something that we have to learn. It's something that we have to acquire Paul wrote in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You know what Paul was teaching to the church at Ephesus uh, was that the spiritual battle was one that was much tougher, that was much more difficult, that was much more exhausting than a physical battle. And Paul said, even through all those physical battles, put on the full armor of God. What's that mean for him? For Paul, it meant going through all of those situations that we previously talked about. He recognized whose might it was to look upon. What he recognized was that contentment had nothing to do with his circumstances. Paul said, I've learned how to be humbled, I've learned how to be abased, and I've learned how to abound. Paul said that even when he was in a place where the people were looking at him and shouting his name and telling him how great he was, 
that just like in those times where he was beaten and stoned and in pain and hurting in all those situations, he recognized who his father was. And he recognized whose strength he was to lean upon. And finally, it's all about attitude. Paul said, even in those situations, here's what I know. I know I'm going to be okay. I know that even when I go into that fiery furnace and it's burning seven times hotter than it's ever burned before, I know that no matter what the circumstance I'm in today, here's what I know. I know I'm going to get through it because of who my Savior is. I know I'm going to get through it because of whose Son I am. In Romans, the 12th chapter, in verse 5, he says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let me ask you this. What exceptions did Paul make there? You ever thought of that? We use Romans, the 12th chapter, much like we use Paul's writing to the church at Corinth to say each of us have a place in this family. That each of us have a, a, uh, a job to do. That each of us have a talent to use in the kingdom. And certainly that's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, you've got it and no one has the same. And whatever talent you've been given, you've got to use it. You've got to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You've got to use it. But let me ask you this. What exception did Paul make there? In Romans, the 12th chapter. He said, some have the talent of giving. Give with simplicity. He said, some have the talent of ruling. Some have the talent of teaching. And what Paul said was, if you've been given that talent, then do it. If you've been given that responsibility, then take it. If you've been given that ability then use it. Unless the circumstances are too tough. Unless you just don't feel it today. Is that what Paul said? You notice Paul didn't make any exceptions for us. Why? Why didn't he? Because you know sometimes the circumstances are real tough. Sometimes the situation is more than we want to bear. Sometimes the words cut much harder than we thought they would. Sometimes we just don't want to take it. But you notice Paul didn't make any of those exceptions for us. 
want to finish with this in Philippians chapter 4. I want to go back to verse 8. I want you to notice something. Philippians, the fourth chapter in verse 8. Paul writes, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. What do you think about mind control? Kind of a strange question, isn't it? Through it now. I'll get it in a second. You know what Paul said? Paul said, you need to have mind control. You know what's easy to do? Uh, It's easy to let sickness and death and age and loss and circumstances and health and relationships and jobs control our minds. It's easy to let pain control our minds. But Paul said, take back control. Paul said, your mind should be under your control. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtue, praise, control your mind and think on these things. And the God of peace shall be with you. If you're not a child of God this morning, you're missing out on the greatest blessing of eternity. If you're not a child of God this morning, you're missing out not only on the cleansing of your sins, but the blessings of contentment and peace this morning. You have an opportunity to be obedient to the Father in faith, to have your sins washed white as snow. To be baptized and to walk in the newness of life. And we, we are prepared to assist you in that this morning. If you are a child of God and there's something that we can pray with you or for you, we'd ask that you please come forward and have a seat on the front row as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.